1: Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on Us. Mintmobile.com switch.
0: Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to fifteen dollars per month. Unlimited over forty gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active mint customers by five thirty one twenty-four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
2: Dozens of Oversapiens gathered within the shadows of a forgotten place. Creatures carved from an exceptional darkness, stuff plucked and processed from the deepest recesses of human need. No two of them alike, save that their souls had been supplied by the same malphic machine, and all of them were older than time would generally permit. The scarred marble ceiling above the milling congregates rose beyond the touch of the trembling light supplied here and there by a scattering of candles, and the pitch shadows made the darkened corners of the room seem infinitely deep. There were no tables or chairs to speak of, so the assemblage lingered atop the fallen statues, columns, and porticos. The ruins of a catastrophe far older, and perhaps even more nefarious than the darkness itself. They were waiting for their king, a being who had yet to emerge from the bowels of his prehistoric house. I might have understood had it been anyone else, but Byron is a careful predator. His plans are generally laid as well as webs, invisible and ensnaring. Of course, it might have been Henry's fault. We all know how lackadaisical he can be," said a fit and trim man, a creature whose lankness bespoke the grace of a cat. He was dressed in a clever long coat, all leather and form fit. His features changed with the flickering light, save for his eyes, which gleamed throughout. In a voice filled with the hiss and snap of a naked fire, an amorphous shape flecked with red and orange embers replied to the speaker, We will miss Byron, should he indeed be dead, but we hold out some semblance of hope. You see, the air is terribly difficult to kill. And yet I saw him die with at least three pairs of eyes," Henry announced as he strode without a darkened chamber, still wearing a citizen of the Curious Forest. "'Twas his own pride that at last put him down, Strogen, not my apparently infamous lackadaisy. And yet there is a part of me that is inclined to share voice's optimism." I can't see the machine allowing such a thing to happen." Like a plume of darkness sprung from the underground, a shape emerged from a chasm in the middle of the chamber. It hung there like smoke and dead air, a tarnished crown turning and tumbling above its head, tattered purple robes flowing as if windblown. Its bottomless eyes fell directly upon Henry, who cringed beneath their almost tangible power. Here was the forgotten king, up from the depths. And yet death is but another means to that final fire, eh, Henry? Who better than dear Byron for the fire to feast upon, with his endless air working like a bellows? Perhaps the machine means to fatten us before casting us down, to ripen our apostate souls. For it knows that we, the damned, must sup from life even more than those bound for paradise. For we have only fire to attend us when all is over and dust. To be damned is to savor, and Byron savored life like no other. Perhaps he'd grazed enough, and it was his turn at slaughter. And yet it is still my hope that we damned might rise up, for we are like the burned angels themselves. Who would not kindly suffer the pleasures of their master, and sought to throw him down, rightly, of course. We must do as they did, but unlike them, we must not fail. To fail is to burn, Henry, forever. The Mind Stealer backed away from the creature when the small flames of the surrounding candles jumped from their wicks and collected into a massive fireball that hovered and hissed above his open palm. Fortunately, you did not fail, Henry. You were merely set back, the king said, closing his hand upon the burning sphere, extinguishing it. The subsequent darkness was suddenly alleviated as tongues of flame leapt up from once dead wicks, momentarily revealing the ceiling of the room before dying back to flickering orange fingers. The forgotten king now held the group's attention as if by natural force, a Newtonian truism concerning the law of obedience. And it was no illusion of his authority, some hysterics of groupthink, when the entire city itself seemed to move beneath the sway of his presence, reminding those in need of the lesson. All their king beheld, be it his subjects or the city itself, belonged to him. Absolutely. Once he was certain of his subjects' rapt attention, he spoke to them as a father. We have entered a new phase of the machine's machination. It is seeking us out now, no longer merely content to know where we are. It is sending its youngest after us, to bring the wayward elders back home. And as ever, we are left to reckon with the why of it all. And do not let your borrowed powers or pilfered time convince you of your immunity to its will. It made us. For something. Its scheme, whatever it is, could very well resemble the movements of the stars across the sky. Gradual. Fearsome. And trillions of years in the making. I have left many of you to your own devices for some time tolerated your ever-thinning dedication to our one true cause, but no longer. Conclude your affairs. Preserve only that which might further our work. We can have no distractions. The Forgotten King paused with deliberation, realizing that this last commandment might likely provoke some small impulse to defiance. He would study them closely now to see who among them might prove the weakest link. There was only the whispered potential of a reaction, really, a stirring in the air that soon perished beneath the king's quiet. After the moment had passed, the monarch concluded his address. We will now proceed as a united front. Conditions demand nothing else. His voice was resolute and final, the Lost Kingdom reverberating with his timeless authority. Antonia enjoyed the sound her gown made when it dragged across the sand and sea stones. She relished how it terrified those who were familiar, directly or indirectly, with its signature wet dragging. Drifting barefoot to where the twilight tides pulled at her dress, her eyes lingered on the horizon, where the sea swallowed the sun. She gazed at the tumble-down docks, whose wooden legs seemed to buckle with each kiss from the tall waves. The lurching wharves that bowed their barnacled heads to each new tide, and the crumbling shoreline where the water dragged its wet claws across its craggy skin, a million hands tearing with each change of the tides, the earth ever desperate to stay above water. She'd made a life for herself in Dismuth, though it had been afforded through no small amount of blood and death. She managed the costs handily enough balancing power with practicality, allowing salesmanship to replace slaughter whenever her advantage was tenuous or altogether nebulous. From the darkness of flooded crypts to the back alleys of sunken cities, she'd negotiated her claim to the waterfronts. Even against the interests of the historic hosts of the city, the living shadows who haunted Dismuth's every cellar and sinkhole, she'd prevailed. Antonia had risen a formidable mistress of the sea, her hold over the waterways and dockside districts, all but absolute now. She was not eager to abandon her home. Still, she knew her king was likely correct about the machine, though she was hesitant to dwell on his more mystagogical interpretations of the thing. That was a rabbit hole she preferred not to descend. It was enough that she knew, as they all did, that the machine was not through with them, but it was an entirely different thing to confront the matter openly. Whenever she'd tried, within those triumphant moments when she felt unstoppable, the world always fell away, revealing only the part of herself that did not belong, the part that had been manufactured, machined. She'd built up her mind much like she'd constructed her small empire, to move beyond it all, to get on to the next thing, whatever that might be. But now her eyes would be pinned to the past, her future abandoned. In the end, it was inevitable, she realized. The day of reckoning. After all, she was the first of her fellowship to be targeted by the Malsapians, or more specifically, the Machine. On that count, she couldn't help but wonder if the invasion was retaliatory, as it was her own spy network that first supplied any real details about the creatures. She vividly recalled the song that drifted across the waters the night they came how it conjured the sounds of the sea within the crush and cradle of its resplendent notes, and how it burned across the waves and beaches like a maelstrom of musical fire. Everything in the path of the sonic storm, her canneries and fisheries, shipping fronts and marinas, obliterated. Having no idea what sort of hell had befallen her, she retreated to the cove indenting the distant shoreline, penetrating deeply into treacherous marshland. From there, her power sifted the waters for a sign of her attackers, if indeed the event hadn't been the result of something altogether cosmic in origin, something beyond the scope of her malgenic gifts. Unfortunately, whatever the source of the attack, her aquatic senses proved useless at discerning. They'd been completely shut out from the waters surrounding the docks, like a wall had suddenly risen between herself and the seaside region. All she could do was wait until the music ceased its mesmerizing and deadly assault. It wasn't until the following dawn she'd come out of hiding and encountered her stoutest servants summoned from the deepest gulfs of her killing pool, gutted or smashed to bleeding pulp. The attack had been so sudden and so overwhelming she'd barely managed to reconcile what she saw with what she already knew and should have taken the time to know better. Even as she recalled the dossier her spies had delivered to her, a slim file concerning a group of sapiens known as the Passengers, the words did them no justice. She shook her head as she recollected the line, One of the Passengers is known to manipulate sound. Here was the very definition of understatement. After surveying so much carnage and death, she couldn't help but be reminded of the first time Oversapien met sapien an introduction nearly a century old. She and her kinsmen were lucky to escape with a quarter of their original number. The memory passed through her with a shiver. Walking fully into the embrace of the waves, she tried to abandon her anxieties to the sea. And yet, while she had been rebuilt to welcome the waters, there was the painful irony for which the machine was well known, underlying its every gift. Her backward glance through history allowed the water a temporary influence over her, forcing the oversapien to recall that her marriage to the sea was a shotgun wedding. She would never forget how her puckered hands, pressed against the curving glass of her sealed-off water tank, framed the horror beyond. Nazi scientists working at their stations, mixing chemicals and taking measurements, wrongly assuming she'd grow gills if only left in the water long enough. The memory of the dissonant tank filters, gurgling as if someone were perpetually drowning, still brought her out of the sea whenever a storm swelled overhead, allowing the thunder to wash the terrible noise from her mind. Understandably, her sway over water was not a fully elemental ordeal, whereby she felt a kinship, a oneness with the stuff, but rather a baleful hold she enjoyed exercising tightly. Every time the tides and flows were called into service, she imagined them bowing and scraping, lying at her feet like a pack of whipped dogs. And regardless of how much she tried to forget the horrors that drove her fluctuating relationship with water, there was always that part of her, the machined part, that wouldn't allow for a complete overcoming. It was as if she required the inner turmoil to fuel those parts of herself that were added or changed by the machine. Having taken to the deep places of the reef, a location that had become much associated with the legend of her, she gracefully flowed into the small entrance of a barely visible cave. Once inside, she breached the water and climbed into the trapped air pocket filling the small space. Despite being perfectly suited to it, Antonia did not sleep beneath the waves, preferring to slumber upon dry land, if only its darkest and most enclosing spaces. Every night since the Malsapians came for her, when they attempted to destroy her quaint little empire, she fell asleep to the memory of the music that would have devoured her, as much as she devoured her own enemies. Its incomparable melody soothing her mind into restful sleep, scoring the dreams that came after, filling her with the only peace she'd ever known. More than anything else, she wished to hear it again, at any cost. The tall doors slid sideways, vanishing silently within the prevailing limestone of the room. He could hear the uncoupling of various protective sigils where they hung like neon lights from the open air, each one fashioned by the best minds occult engineering could offer. The observation decks on either side of the Melengian were completely lightless, not even the pale dance of mindless telemetries troubled the dark. The moment held the starkness of new beginnings, A fresh mystery unwinding. The machine came into full view with another few steps, and yet there was always an incompleteness about it, a sense that it could never be fully contained or beheld, merely the visible tip of a vast mechanical iceberg, gliding aloof and lethal through the freezing waters of the universe. It was like a living thing hauled up from a mechanized hell, Metallic yet creaturely in curvature and texture, and festooned with unfathomable extrusions that seemed at once glass and metal. As he drew closer, a small glow lit the vast room in whispered sapphire. A buzzing sounded from somewhere deep inside the machine, creating a vibration that moved through the man's flesh, settling into his bones. This only made him smile. The tall door is closed from behind, and the last of the sigils dimmed to nothing, banishing the last bit of man-made light from the room. Running his hand down the black slope of one of the machine's many sweeping protrusions, he found the thing's lack of pronounced texture akin to petting a shadow. Despite the immensity of the device, a godless landscape of exotic matter fashioned by inscrutable hands, it felt no more substantial than a dream at dusk. He took a breath that reached the top of his lungs, exhaling it slowly while his smile grew wider. He realized the time for waiting had at last come to an end, and that a new chapter was about to be written within a book whose preface contained the first breaths of a nascent universe. The Melungeon emitted a low growling, combined with other sounds that emanated from both sides of nature, all of which were discernible to the man. As his place by the machine had endured for millennia. The will of the infamous damnation machine manifested through a blending of its many emissions, its language, if it could be called such a thing. It filled the man with but an infinitesimally small share of its plan, those parts it would see performed on its behalf. The man nodded intermittently, his head perhaps struggling under the incalculable weight of the machine's smallest intimation. When the unearthly device finally grew dark and quiet again, the figure took yet another tall breath, closed his eyes, and held it as if the additional air were helping him process what he'd been imparted. When his eyes reopened, the man appeared awestruck, momentarily lost. His heart quickened as he slowly grasped what he was to do, and his mind buckled for the effort of deducing why. Spider Black could only marvel at the thing's wheeling plans as they passed over his mind like alien constellations, beautiful and scarcely guessed at. Before disappearing behind the renewed light of the hallway and the resurrected Sigils, he whispered to the machine, I will see it done. The Oversapiens will be no
0: more. Hey everyone, Steve here. Mark, Walker, and I wanted to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Maltopia podcast, and we wanted to take a moment to tell you about our other projects that provide you with exclusive content and behind-the-scenes bonus videos. How would you like early access to every podcast episode and creator videos that go into detail about your favorite stories? For free samples of what our Patreon has to offer, check out patreon.com maltopia and scroll through our public content. Is The Shepherd of Wolves your favorite series? Now you can listen to our award-winning audiobook adaptation, The Red Sun, free with your 30-day trial to Audible. For animated YouTube narrations, original artwork, and more, check out our website at maltopia.com. You can also tweet us on Twitter and join the fun on our Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, we love nothing more than hearing feedback from you, so take a moment to like, comment, rate, and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Just a few seconds of your time makes all the difference, helping us reach more folks just like you who can join the Meltopia experience. With your support, we'll be able to offer even more of the content you love to listen to, watch, and read. Thanks again from the three of us. We can't do this without you.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi,
0: this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ